0: Silent his voice doesn't (laughs) go. I'm just waiting for me to stop talking so I can start introducing the show.
1: All right, I'm ready. Do it, Aubrey. Do it. Welcome back, listeners, to Season 3 of Dark Tides, Episode 3, I we don't figure out the titles beforehand. <laughs> we need to stop doing our intros as though we know what we're gonna call the episodes. Yeah, I know. That's uh it's an issue. Um, Alright, well with me, I'm your host, show creator, narrator, DM, and all around fun guy, Aubrey Lydon. With me as always is Chester Lydon. Bonjour. And BJ Ingate. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you couldn't really follow the bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs>
0: no, bon, no, there's not much I
2: can do. Bonjour.
1: Bonjour. No. So, uh, I, I, as
2: Australians, I, I think we
0: should start this episode by mentioning that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we should start again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we should start this episode by starting again No, no, no. I think we should start this episode by pointing out that it's been what two months since oh, we recorded while. episode two. What? Yeah. You went away for a month. We recorded it like two weeks before oh, yeah, you left. Jeff. Then you, you went, went away for a month and you were
1: sick. For and you've a month. been
0: back
2: for like three. It's, it's like it was two months ago. Yeah, true. And I had flu twice, and I still don't sound good. Yeah. No, nah, it's it's lingering.
0: <laughs> anyway. Um. So yeah, I don't know about you two, but I have no idea what is going on. I
1: like I don't remember. <laughs> Look,
2: don't you listen to the
1: episodes, BJ? Nah. Oh. I've listened to episode one. We'll do a recap. Um. Anyway, yes. If you're joining us for the very first time, you're in the wrong place. uh, this is get out of here season punk. three, episode three take of Dark your Tides. ears elsewhere um, but yes, we should probably start with some fun facts. We haven't done that in a while mm-hmm. <sighs> and you never think of them. no, <laughs> I don't I'm know never, why I'm
0: never prepared.
1: This is why I have a fun fact this is how improv works p j <laughs> all right,
2: I have a fun fact as well. you can go first, all right, so. Over the, the two or so years that it's been, uh, Ernest and Edgar have taken up a bit of a new hobby oh, in Mercy's Oh, wow. And that is playing old PlayStation 2 games. Nice. I like how you're inventing this canon without me. I'm pretty sure you... Uh, s- no, this
1: is the s- canon you- that we decided, Aubrey. Why <laughs> is a PS2 in your inventory? Because he's got a PS2 oh, with oh, him. Because <laughs> maybe
0: if we had character sheets where... <laughs> Sorry, I'm
1: sorry. Anyway, if you've seen the
2: vlog, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, they've been playing. They've been playing stuff like Silent Hill, and uh, I believe Simpson's Hit and Run. Simpson's Hit and Run, Resident Evil Four. They've been playing all the Spongebob games. Yeah, see,
1: Edgar likes those ones. He doesn't like the scary ones. <laughs> yep. Uh, he wants an
2: escape from his life as a cursed human being. We originally were going to go with... They had an N64, I think. But then we tried to play some N64 games and we like, yeah, these aren't, mm-hmm. these aren't that fun anymore. So we just went with PlayStation 2 because that's the console that we actually had as kids. So we have some background knowledge, at least. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. uh, just What's another... What's their favorite game? Oh, Well, I think... <sighs> Simpsons hit and run. Nah, I don't think... I think... Try and work out what Edgar would like. Hmm. Well, because Edgar's
1: just a more cheerful version of me with more knowledge of the natural world... <laughs> with more cannibalism tendencies. Yeah, well, look. <laughs> yes. I I'm reckon, assuming that about you. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you're worse than Edgar. I reckon Edgar's favourite was probably
2: the SpongeBob movie game. Yeah, yep. I reckon Ernest would probably be the um tack and the power of juju game. Oh yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing. 3D platform. Maybe um maybe Sly Cooper. Mm. I don't remember that one. Anyway. Don't know. He just has gone too far. he has gone too far down the rabbit hole. This is no longer
0: Dark Tides podcast. Oh my God. This is a PS2 Nostalgia Trip Podcast. Oh my God. Uh yes. Okay, so look. Well, known for his affinity with chocolate milk is the one and only Alistair Stern.
1: That was a sentence.
0: And as of. Oak. Oh. As of the last 10 to 15 years that he's been out of here on his own, which I can't remember if we're allowed to say that yet. Yes, we are. Okay, cool. Uh, just years. to cut it, if that's a problem. Um, <laughs> is my microphone just peeking all of the time? No. Good. I think that's normal. It's not good that I can see that. I'm worried about it now. No, it's yeah, no, it's fine. Anyway, uh cut that. Uh no, he's he was violently opposed to to coffee. He never he never drank coffee. And in the 10 years that it's been, the 10, 15 years that it's been, he's become a broken man and he finally has started trying a mocker pot. He found one on a it was like half buried on a junk heap one day and he was like mm. Mm, I wonder if I can find some beans. Uh, and they found some really stale, like, pre-ground be- But, like, there was just this huge stockpile of pre-ground somewhere that they found in a back shed. like, is this... Did Marv put this here, like, in the 70s or something? What is this? So it's not even real chocolate. It's just a really nice tasting doit. <laughs> it's a pretty nice doit. So he's been experimenting with uh, pre-ground mocha pot coffee. Wow. And, um... He thinks he likes it, but that's just because he doesn't know <laughs> he what actual it. coffee tastes... Because he's never had coffee before. Mm. He doesn't mm-hmm. know how terrible the coffee that he thinks he likes is. I like the bitter notes. One day... <laughs> I like the dirt flavor. I like the dirt. He's like, actually, yeah, it's it's pretty good. He doesn't I realize you have to something. like
2: strain it out, so he's drinking it with the bits in. Yeah, it's just it's a bit like, crunchy. Mm, and nice. it's like,
0: look, maybe
1: 60 years ago those beans were okay, but... <laughs> I mean, I was going to say we've, coffee. we've added a complication saying they've been cut off for 15 years. It's like, you've run out of everything now. I know. I had to write an essay about
0: that in preparation for the season. I know. That I probably have somewhere. It's on my computer. I might. I think it's on my computer. Mm. I might have to refer to that at some point. Mm, nice. There
1: you go. Nice. Aubrey, fun fact. Mm. Uh, fun fact... We'll give, we'll, we'll give a fun fact for Edgar since he's been the main NPC I've been playing this season. Um, Edgar has decided that the only good kind of socks are knitted woolen socks. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they're so scratchy. In his inability to find them, he will knit them himself. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a thing.
0: He's such a wholesome man-eating monster. He like <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't eat
1: pe- people anymore. <laughs> the duality of man, BJ. <laughs> um, no, but but this is a skill he learnt from uh, Grandpa Edgar. Yep, the original, the original Grandpa Edgar, who used to knit as well. Nice, um, and so or sort of crochet blankets or whatever. Grandpa, I'm not
2: Grandpa Edgar on Mother's side, I on, believe because the father's side is the one that's derived from Mercy's Creek. Sure. Um, um,
1: yeah, so that's, yes, that's what he has been doing. And so he's getting to the stage where he's going to have to start looking for some wool. Because <laughs> they've been traveling for three to six months Well, or canonically,
0: they do have some sheep yes. that they farm for wool. So Shep. there is probably quite a lot of knitted wool things around the, uh, the Port Staples community.
2: But how much will Edgar encounter... Racism in this hookah community. Probably not. So
0: far, he's avoided it because I believe I said no. So far, he's been in, shot with arrows. Come
2: inside. It's
0: <laughs> it's very friendly in here, and he say no. I stay in tree because he got shot with
1: arrows. <laughs> return to monkey. <laughs> mm, please, that's a dead name. Reject, reject, reject. Alistair. Return to
2: monkey. <laughs> Uh, Should we start this wasn't episode wasn't funny when it was new. I'm also just going to uh, chuck this out there. We have some new stuff releasing. So if you head over to the CMB Corp YouTube channel, you can check out a behind-the-scenes C&B vlog studios, series. actually. Is it still Studios? CMB Studios. studios. Uh, to our YouTube channel, you can check out the uh, behind-the-scenes vlog series that we are doing, which is quite fun. And also, if you have the TikToks, you can check us out on Dark Tides Pod. TikTok thingy for a series of TikToks that will release alongside the vlogs, and we have a new range of social medias on Tumblr and Tumblr, all those types of things. So give and us a probably everything else. Yes, um,
1: one thing to say now. Listening back to episode two, gosh, there was a lot of trying to plug Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> so well, much. if you stop <laughs> no. But this is one of the We've just
0: plugged everything else this episode.
1: Yes, probably every podcast you listen to has a Patreon, etc etc Um, wow. but I want to give the reason why why we have one. Uh I Yeah, instead of asking for money, just say why we want money. Why we want money. I did an arts degree. (laughs) Hey! I
0: can't pay that back.
1: No, but what that means... uh, (laughs) We're all
0: starving artists. Let me
1: me explain that. Because what that means is that you end up having a fairly good idea of how the creative slash entertainment industry works. um, And that the people who make the money are not the people who make the things that you like. So most podcasts, if they're able to do them full time, it's because they're selling ad space, usually multiple ad spots on a single episode, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Anyway, I'm not interested at all in having ads in the middle of our show. It interrupts the story. It ruins the flow. And you guys don't need to be advertised to about beds or the Australian army or any other dumb thing. like I'm. <laughs> These Americans be like, yeah, I don't need to be advertised there. <laughs> I really don't. Anyway, regardless of where you are, I'm, I have way too many ads in my life as it is. I don't want any more in my life and I don't want any more in yours. So we do not run ads. We don't put it up for running ads. Uh, so the only way that we make any money out of the show, the only way that the roughly 10 to 15 hours per episode mm-hmm. of the show is subsidized in our... Uh, lives is through the Patreon. So uh, if you're sick of ads and you want to help creators uh, independently make the things that you like without having to shill out to advertising companies uh, to get your attention, then support those creators however they're doing that. For us, it's Patreon. For other people, there's other means. Um, But yeah, consider being a responsible enthusiast of entertainment. Yeah. No, I started not that not just for our without show, knowing for, for lots of other people too. For lots like of other that's shows. what's so great about Patreon. Yeah, if you like them, if they're doing good things, support them so that they can do it without having to shill out to advertising companies and things.
2: But also if they do Patreon and also do ads, uh, that's don't annoying. support that's, them. <laughs> that's, that's just like gouging you for money, in my opinion. <laughs> one day, one day,
0: people will be listening to this and then like four seasons later, there'll be an ad on one of our shows. <gasps> <They'll be> like, <gasps> anyway. That's it, that's it, no more Patreon. <laughs>
1: anyway we're not here to judge anyone else's how they're running their shows but this is how we're choosing to run ours uh, we're so, also in the fortunate thing where all of us have jobs
0: so we yes, don't so we, have all to of us are working on more or less full money. time
2: so <laughs> yeah which is good because yeah <laughs> yeah and so if you can't support us financially that's entirely fine the way you can support us then is by checking out our different stuff our social medias our like vlog series all that type of stuff and just enjoying the show in its different formats that's And helping to build our audience by reviewing
1: and suggesting to people and all those sort of things. Yeah, absolutely. We don't just
2: need your money; (laughs) we like you. Also, enjoy the show. Yeah,
1: it's way more valuable if you uh, enjoy the show and you
0: you share it around to people um, to us because that you know that means we're able to reach more people and that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I have a related BJ fun fact.
1: Okay, (sighs) (laughs) this is about your Twitch. Actually, no, but... No, no, no. I...
0: Okay, so I've been starting to listen to the radio in my car for the first time in a very long time because I had to drive to Sydney and I had to borrow my mum's car that has, like, a Bluetooth situation and I couldn't get it working so I couldn't listen to music so I had to listen to the radio. And the only radio station that I, s- like, listen to most of the time is the ABC Classic, like, just classical music yeah. because it's there's just, like, calm talking every now and then and just nice classical music. Because every other station that I find, you listen to one song and then it's just ads for five minutes. And then another, and of course it's radio, so it's two minutes. So they cut the song down so it's shorter. And then five minutes of ads. I don't like ads on the radio. So I listen to ABC Classic FM. However, in our area, in my old car, for some reason, the only radio station that doesn't like, run perfectly clearly with no interference or static is the classical music one. Every other radio, it comes through nice and clear and loud, and the the classical one is just like... Like, all the time, and it's the only... And I'm so sad.
1: It's the the only one that doesn't work. I don't know why I'm sad now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's... Yeah, I mean, I get the thing with the ads. It's... What's really telling about it is you kind of... Even with the radio or whatever... What that means is that uh, you can't make money out of creating good things. You only make money out of getting people's attention enough that somebody else can sell them something. Yeah, exactly. So the only people that are actually getting anything out of that situation are the advertisers. And so you think about what are advertising. Uh, a lot of insurance companies. For some reason, mattress companies. <laughs> Whatever else. You know, it's that sort of thing, and it's very painful. Perhaps... Um, um, now that we're 15 minutes into the episode this
0: this can be our topic for our after show discussion. Yeah, we
1: can talk about it in the after show discussion.
2: Beast Breaking Tides recording?
1: Which you can find <laughs> on Sh- Patreon.
0: <laughs> anyway. like they need to know where to find the after show.
2: Here's my thought. We just remove the wonderful art that we have as our like cover and we just replace it with <laughs> patreon.com slash dark tides. <laughs> so every time they open their phone, it's like, ooh. <laughs> like an April Fool's event. Ooh, we just change it all. No, we just make the April Fool's episode of like next year is just every single thing just turns into a plug. <laughs> It's just like, and Ernest opens the door and he hears a voice whisper to him, check out patreon.com dark it's, like, it's like the, it's like no! the Truman
0: show. No! Like the Truman show where she comes home from the shopping and it's like the, the product placement.
2: He sees Alistair off in the distance so he turns around and says, Ernest, have you checked out patreon.com slash dark times? Sorry, I was just Even watching this really cool Twitch this. channel
0: called BJ Squid at Twitch twitch.tv. That'd be so much fun. Oh, he's so cool. He plays Kerbal Space Program and sometimes other stuff.
1: <laughs> Anyway. Please cut that. Please cut it all. You could cut anything. all of this. We could just start here. All right. In the last <laughs> two episodes, so far in this season, um, Ernest had left his Wendigo summer camp. Buddies. Compound uh, in somewhere in Canada. We're not even sure where in Canada exactly. Um, and traveled cross-country, making his way all the way to Australia uh, through various means. <clears throat> Excuse me. And made his way to the archipelago where he found a bank of mist and was able to uh, navigate it with the help of Carrion, the big bird, bird man shepherd of the desert, um, and found his way to the archipelago where he discovered that Alistair Stern and Puck Walsh have been stranded here for 15 years in some kind of time bubble Uh, where time has moved differently for them. They have had to become self-sufficient and they have abandoned the town itself uh, to live in a small, fortified... I keep wanting to say compound, but that feels like the wrong kind of term. Uh, Camp. Camp up on the headland of the island. That's kind of a compound. It's got like a, a wall around the outside. Where they are living a... Almost a return to a medieval farming lifestyle where they are totally self-sufficient in and of themselves, uh, because the island has become overrun by all sorts of different supernatural threats within this mist, time-dense situation. Did we agree on Ravenholm as Raven, the Ravenholm? Raven, yes, Ravenholm, like like Half Life. Right? Yes, spelled that way. Um, yeah. So, Ernest. And Alistair returned to Ravenholm uh, just in time to help prevent an incursion by some kind of charred cinder uh, smoke creatures that were trying to break and burn through the wall. Uh, While they were able to defeat said incursion, the walls were badly damaged and Puck was hurt. Uh, Edgar transformed into Wendigo, was seen and attacked by some of the townspeople while he was also helping defend Ernest uh, and fled back into the forest and was unable to be coaxed out by Alistair when he tried. So that's where we'll jump back in.
2: Mm-hmm. Theme music. Be, 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 de, de, de. I don't even <laughs> Two years ago, I still don't know what the theme song actually sounds like.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: that's
0: it. So that's what
1: we'll just put in.
0: <laughs> put the theme music
1: underneath really quiet and then me over the top. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to play it off my phone or something and we'll actually voice over the top of it? Yeah, all right. I, I have it. Sure
0: didi di 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 di
2: di 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 di
1: We rejoin our story uh, with Ernest Marsh. Ernest, uh, the sun is all but disappeared uh, into the fog, and you do miss, even though you've only been here for like less than 24 hours, you miss being able to see the sun properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, The heavy clouds and the fog that is just ever-present is obscuring the light, and uh, you can tell by the condensation that is beginning to draw in and the fact that the uh, the fog is beginning to draw closer that night is approaching. You can still smell smoke and ash. Uh, it's getting into your nose as you are standing at the gates of Ravenholm. Mm-hmm. Um, you are watching the straggling members of this community uh, dousing the still smouldering portions of wall, and you can see there's about four points where it has all but broken all the way through. Uh, You are aware that Edgar is somewhere into the tree line, still in Wendigo form, in the branches of a tall tree. Uh, You can hear the shouts and calls as uh, orders are yelled and responded to from the people. As you turn around, you're standing just at the uh, entrance point of Ravenholm, and you can see these large wrought iron gates that you think must have belonged to some property somewhere on the island and were refitted here because they were the largest and perhaps the easiest to defend Uh, and you're looking up at the sort of port cutlass style uh, enclosed gate situation here and through the gate you can see uh, that Ravenholm itself is not very big it is a walled city if city is absolutely the wrong term, it's a walled village, really. Uh, It encapsulates maybe six existing houses uh, that were here previously on the island and about a dozen additional buildings uh, that are either built onto the side of those houses. A few of them are freestanding. You can see there's a fairly large, uh, what looks like a community hall or a meeting place uh, in the centre. But you can also see that it's very lush and very green. There are many small gardens. You can see uh, goats and sheep uh, tethered Mm. here and there, and you can see these people rushing about. Most of them are dressed fairly similarly in uh, what looks like homespun clothing. Most of them seem to be wearing sort of uh, cloaks or capes, these sort of uh, heavy draping material that goes around the shoulders and hangs down, and they're in different natural dyes, Uh, most of them are green or blue or a light yellow-brown, and this is the community of Ravenholm. This is pretty much all that's left of Port Staples. Uh, You can see Alistair is uh, striding along the top rampart of this wall, calling orders uh, to the people who are now beginning to You take axes to the wall and hack out the burnt portions as they are basically immediately trying to restore the wall that is their only means of defence.
2: Okay. Uh, Ernest will heft up his lantern and he will attach it to the rope that he had before, tying it around his, uh, from one shoulder to hip and let it sit in the small of his back. As it swings down, it uh, bangs against something that's like Push down into like the what's the the top part of your pants, waist, the the waistband of your of his pants, and falls to the ground. And he kneels down and picks up a old police revolver, and he stuffs it back into that area of his pants and lets the the jacket cover it up. And he is going to whistle lightly out to Edgar, and he's going to start walking into the. Uh, little camp. Uh, he's basically just sent a signal to Edgar just to say, like, take your time type of thing. And mm-hmm. he's going to walk in. Uh, who wants to give me a description, a more in-depth description of what this place looks like?
0: Okay, so you... As you walk in... Oh, is this okay for me to do? I reckon yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. It's your town.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Well, why don't I come up and say hi to you and then we can walk up together and then...
2: Probably makes more sense that you're like busy with your men type yeah, of thing. Okay.
0: So maybe in a little bit. Sure. So Ravenholm is situated on the side of a hill and the, the main gate entrance is at the bottom. So as you walk in through the gates, you can see there's like a a main main road, even though it's kind of just a track that leads up uh, between uh, some, some vegetable patches on one side, there's some animal pens and things, um, and then some of these ramshackle buildings. And as you kind of look up higher and higher up the hill, you recognise what you have realised is the old Stern family residence mm-hmm. as kind of the centrepiece on the top of the hill. And it's a bit confusing because you've never approached it from this angle. You've always approached it from the road, which kind of swings around behind. But that road is, is pretty much just overgrown and gone now. And so you're approaching from where you would look down out of, out of the residence when you get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so you're looking from side to side. You're seeing um, there are children here, which is a bit of a surprise to you. Um, there are a few children running around, um, mostly um, a, bit, a bit scared or worried with, with other people running after them, telling them to get inside and things like that because the sun is, is going down.
1: Uh, you do actually see that all of the children, without fail, are wearing the brightest colours. Uh, so just about every child is wearing this sort of yellow... or As light as it can get, a yellow kind of poncho colour um, that makes them the most visible so that they can be kept track of.
2: Ernest frowns a little bit, seeing everyone running around. It's like, I'm getting major village vibes from all of this. It is very confusing because... If it weren't
0: for the fact that you know how <laughs> horribly things have gone wrong in this this island, clearly, uh, and the deadly threats that are happening, it would be a very pleasant scene. It's kind of an evening scene of a, you know, small subsistence village. It's very green. It's very overgrown. There's some solar panels and things. Um, not very many, but there's a couple of solar panels. Um, there's There's lots of animals. It looks very, very homely and very um inviting despite the fact that it's it's kind of disconcerting because you know how dangerous the outside world is and so it's kind of a bit weird you're almost expecting like a mad max style mud and rusty metal like grungy
2: and it's actually quite pleasant just a description idea maybe is like people going into their houses you see that like there's like a trail of of salt along their door frame type of thing. There's like bunches yep, of lavender right. under window sills, type of thing, like going to that Lockwood style. I think
1: it would be more they would instead of protecting individual mm-hmm. houses, they would be
2: protecting the wall. This is nice. Just makes the individual learning. location more interesting than just. Yeah. Up to you. Um You can see some of the
0: some of the people running after the kids are starting to light torches and things because the sun is starting to go down and you get the general idea that there's probably not a whole lot of electricity here. So they're starting to light some torches, and you can see people tying bunches of lavender to torches to start um, lighting up these lavender incense uh, like around, the, around the camp, which you assume is maybe some kind of a ward against uh, something. You don't quite know what's here. Um, so that's happening. You can see kids running around trying to ask the adults what's going on, why they can't go outside. Um, and then you hear a bell. And did we say that it was Sunday? It was Sunday? a church bell.
1: No, no, they're church bells, which is why Edgar yeah, yeah, thought yeah. it was Sunday. No, but did we say that it was Sunday? No, it's, I think you said it wasn't. No. But okay, they're, they're, the remember. church bell uh, has been taken, has been placed in a small right. kind of tower at one end of the um, the town hall, which is this fairly squat timber building um, that looks almost Scandinavian in its kind of its construction, as it's mostly built from pine logs driven into the ground. Uh, with quite a, a broad sloping roof, so yeah, you hear the the town church
0: bell starting to ring, and at first you think, ah that's that's nice. that's nice And then you realize, oh no, this is probably their warning bell of its nighttime start to get everybody in um, and you think back to the construction on the wall and you think, hmm. Wonder if they're actually finished with that. Oh, this could be tricky. Um, and you see the children starting to run back inside the town hall
2: and parents and adults running in after them. Uh Ernest like puts his hands on his hips and like purses his lips. Looks around, as- hmm. Hmm. Well, he looks back to the wall.
1: I'm not very good at manual labour. You can see now that um what they have organized is that there are a couple of braziers being lit for light and it looks like they're intending to work into the night while a section of whatever this town guard or militia defend the people who are working as they cut it out and they're digging out the stumps and they're preparing new logs. There seems to be some, some timber building kind of stockpiles within and they're planning to basically rebuild this
2: section of wall right yep. now. Ernest thinks back to uh, his fence at Mercy's Creek uh, the one leaning to multiple different angles like I'll probably just go for moral support. Uh and he's gonna walk back to the wall, uh hefting up his lantern again and igniting it. Yeah. yeah you see Alistair um
1: is he's taking his heavy coat off. What's he wearing underneath the coat? Um
0: he's wearing just very kind of nondescript uh dark black coloured clothing. Um he's got sort of a, a chunky pattern knit jumper underneath um and some kind of pants maybe jeans maybe cargo pants it's hard to tell they're so old and ripped and it's it's kind of hard to tell what they were and it looks like they've been patched quite a few times Mm. um but yeah he's wearing his his boots he's wearing like chunky knit jumper over the top um and he's sort of running about helping carry things and giving orders Mm mm-hmm All right, so uh, we've just got to make sure we get this patched as quickly as possible. I I think we're going to use those supplies over there because they're the closest. Um, And then can we just make sure that we find another section of metal that we can patch the outside?
2: Because I'm not sure if we have any in that stockpile. We might have to go look outside. Uh, Ernest will walk past you and give you like a two-fingered salute and say, I'll watch the road. Yeah, thanks. That'd be that'd be good. And he pulls the little pistol from his back pants and clicks it back, and you see that there, it's a revolver one, uh, but there's no bullets in it. And he's going to walk out to that kind of front clearing where the road starts, and he's going to sit down with his lantern and whistle. So you're you're sitting on maybe a large rock, uh, like a small boulder
1: that's not far from the gate. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Since where do you carry a gun? Here, pass me the hammer, thanks.
2: Uh, Ernest turns it over a few times in his hands. Sort of a family heirloom, I suppose.
0: You have a family? I thought they all thought you were dead.
2: I didn't get it from family.
0: Then how is it a family heirloom if you did not get it from your...
2: I got it from Heath. Ah. And he turns it over in his hand and it has Derekarlo written on the pommel. Cool.
0: Uh, Alistair finishes the helping with the beam that he was helping with and he walks over
2: to you and he's like you've seen Heath? Yeah and he looks up to you and he's like it's probably best that I tell you when Puck's not here. And he uh, okay. you see he that's ominous. He puts down the gun and you see as he takes it off his his hand a wooden ring on his finger. Oh. One of Heath's. Okay. And he puts it down in your hand as a verification Wow Okay I had to get through America to get here and that got the attention of a few people but I was able very luckily to get the attention of someone who owned, owned my family a lot Okay and he was able to get me in contact with Tia and us over there I spent a few weeks at the little tier headquarters to get another ferry to the mainland here.
0: Alistair picks up the ring and turns in his hand before passing it back to you, and he says... No, that's
2: for Puck. And you see there is words engraved on it. Um, Heath's dying. Oh. He wouldn't, like... He doesn't trust me, so he didn't. I was a bit
0: concerned he yeah,
2: he, he never likes you. he didn't give me details. he said you guys would know the details, but he's succumbing to some type of sickness. Edgar could smell it he said it was like he was cursed. he was coughing up these bloody leaves. he was literally just bedbound and he said that he couldn't make good on his deal till he knew that you and Puck were safe and you look down on the ring and it has engraved in it with the blessing of my two I will go and I have the blessing of one already and he said he's waiting for Puck's blessing As the price of yeah
1: how does Alistair look in this moment Alistair's a good deal older than we've ever seen him before. He's had fifteen years more life experience, which has included a lot of hardship and a lot of death. You can see
0: lines on his face, and uh, just a very a very tired look that you have never really seen in Alistair before. He's I mean he's young he's always been younger than you, but he's always had a lot of energy and a lot of uh, just like a fiery fight behind his eyes, even when he's been the most upset or the most um, trodden down. And it's its not that that's completely gone, it just it looks like he has been running on empty for about ten years and now he's just received, you know, the news that one of the only people he can really count on in his life he may never see again. And it just kind of washes over him and Alistair's thinking that this is not a good time to have this conversation. He's like, we need to get this wall patched. But he's looking down at the ring and he just gives himself a second to just forget about the wall and just sit in that for a moment. And he goes, Heath's a good man. He made a decision a few years ago. What? a lot of years ago for me and uh, because of that I'm still here today and so is Puck and I always knew it would cost him but I didn't quite realise
2: to what end it's the reason why I didn't touch you to show you my memories I didn't really want you to see what he looks like now I'd rather not know but my concern is if 15 years can pass in two years for us, I don't know how much time he has. So we need to get a message out. Because I don't know, I've, I've been here for what, a day? What's that? A week? Yes. Two outside? That's true. I,
0: I don't really know how it works, but I, I didn't know it was happening until yesterday when you, or this morning when you came here um, okay look there's there's a lot that we need to talk through and we need to think about but um, look can you just give us a hand to patch this first we can go inside and then I haven't even seen Puck I I don't know if she's okay I need to go check on her but I, we have to finish this first so let's do that and then we can go inside when we know that we're safe and we can talk about this and I can do this to her okay alright and we need to figure out how you got here because you shouldn't have been able to. Alistair tucks the ring into his pocket and kind of stands up and tries to sort of straighten himself out a bit and he's just trying to put off thinking about that for about half an hour until he knows that his people are safe. He turns back to the wall and he's like, all right, people, come on, let's do this. Sun's nearly down.
1: Uh, Alistair, you feel a hand on your shoulder uh, and you turn around to see a very familiar face. Uh, One that has been a mainstay in your life and an ever-present, reassuring face. Father?
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) No, no, not at all.
1: Um, I know, I just, I had to. Yeah, no, it's uh, the face of Bernie Todd. Uh, He pats you on the the shoulder and gestures over to the the crew that is waiting. Bernie, they're waiting on you. You should... um, alright, we'll, we'll get it done before proper dark yeah, listen, can you can you take over for a bit? I, I'll watch the road I think I've got some stuff that I should probably do if you can manage without me here of course um, Ernest, this is, you had kind of, I can't remember if we'd said that you had actually seen Bernie. He had seen someone off in the distance but because of the like age type of thing. yeah, what you see now is quite a shock to you uh Bernie Todd, when you met him first, was a young uh, police officer with very uh, neat, short-cut hair, with a very kind of kind and open face. Uh, He was very easygoing and calming. And what you see now is a grizzled, shrunken man with uh, quite a big beard with a lot of grey in it. Uh, His hair is still cut short, but you can tell that it's rough cut uh, as if he doesn't really care about it and he is leaning heavily on some kind of a crutch under his right arm. Okay um do did, did
0: we before we do that do we do we lose anyone? do you know do we is anyone else hurt? I know Puck got hurt, but did we lose anyone else because i I couldn't see up there I was down here
1: is is everyone else okay? Two of the militia <sighs> shit okay. Yeah. All right. It's all right. I'm taking care of him. Yeah. Now. No, thanks. Okay. Um, but you should go and see Buck. Yeah. No, I I need to. And we need to. Um,
0: oh, I'm sorry. I, no, I. So, either. do you, you I remember?
1: Can see. You remember Bernie? Ernest? Hello, Ernest. He uh, f- extends a hand, and you can see that the, the pinky finger on his right hand is missing. Ernest smiles, and he's going to hug Bernie. Uh,. What you feel is that he is a lot thinner and matter. a lot smaller doesn't care. than you remember. He pats you on the shoulder, but you can feel that there is a great deal of muscle tension in his body. Uh, like he is he's deeply on edge. Ernest yeah. pats him on the back and looks up at him. I oh, know you're oh, you're I'm looking taller? down at him. Oh, really? you're taller than him now. Oh. You were—you've grown a fair bit. Like you, when you came to the archipelago, you were kind of at the end of your—you were late teens. You've filled out quite a bit, and that's meant that while you're not a whole lot taller, there's a fair bit more muscle and a fair bit broader. Whereas while he was quite tall and gangly, he's now uh, kind of hunched, and you can see whatever has happened to his leg has meant that he walks
2: with far more of a stoop now. All right. Well, then, Erst uh, will look down at him, and Erst. Uh, does the same salute that he did to, to Alistair hello old friend hello
1: it's okay you can go in I'll watch the road alright you're a good man Bernie thank you you want to tell me uh, what that is he kind of nods down into the trees that's my brother he won't touch anyone okay he uh, seats himself on the stone that you were sitting on before with a grunt of pain and uh, pulls up into his lap where he had, uh, he had been hanging behind him on, similar to you, a rope. Uh, you see a very large, very well-crafted looking crossbow made of timber uh, as he uh, uses literally a crank mechanism to wind it up into a loaded position.
2: places his lantern down next to Bernie and continues with Alistair. All right, let's get moving. Alistair leads you back through the gate
0: and up the path where you kind of only got part way before changing your mind and going back to quote-unquote help. (laughs) Um, Hang out. It leads up. Alistair kind of uh, winds to and forth on the way up. He talks to a couple of people. Um, You can see there is is a, a man... Uh, sitting on a log, crying, um, and you assume that this is probably the husband or father or someone of one of the people that were lost in the battle. And Alistair just places a hand on his shoulder as as he walks past. Um, and he, through conversation, oh, yeah, do you want to? No, no, keep no, going. No. Through conversation with a couple of people, he ascertains that Puck um, is back home, whatever that means. You're not quite sure.
1: Um, and he goes, "Okay, thank you. We'll we'll go, we'll head up." Um, one thing you do see, Ernest, is that as Alistair passes, uh, his presence seems to alleviate something in these people. There is something about Alistair now that when he is there, it seems like the people around him feel safer for it. Mm. Like all of their immediate problems are just a little bit further away. Mm. It's alright, everyone,
0: we've we've patched we've patched the wall, we're safe, we'll just tuck him for a normal night it's okay we'll be alright yeah no uh, can you take that over there
1: we yeah we're still one short yeah thanks okay uh, up this way Ernest let's go you wind your way up these trails there are no roads here anymore really um, you realise Ernest that there are small sections of what was probably the paved road here but you realise that a lot of it's been ripped up to make more room for farming um, and so you're following these sort of foot trails that wind their way up the hill in sort of a zigzag pattern to compensate for for the steep grade of the hill. And you're heading for the Stern family home, which is towards the higher end. Uh, and you can see that it's been modified pretty heavily. One of the ways in which it's been modified is that uh, almost like a lookout tower has been added to the highest story, uh, sort of built into where the... Alistair's old attic bedroom was mm. and you can see a small light up there and a figure watching Yep. as you round like one of the last corners up
0: towards the, the house um, you can see there's actually quite a few people here you, you were kind of thinking I guess this is just Alistair's house I suppose he just lives there but you can tell there's actually quite a few people running around um, moving things You can you can smell somebody seems to be cooking something um, you're not sure whether on a fire or maybe inside, but you can, you know, the, the smell of garlic and oil and um, cooking. And as, as you walk around, you hear, like, the bustle of conversation and there are a few people hanging around. Um, and a young girl runs out of the front door and runs up to
1: Alistair. Yeah, you can see this little figure with uh, long, blondish, like dirty blonde hair, barrels out of a door. And your initial instinct, you actually like drop your, your centre of gravity a little bit because of this. it's like, oh, there's something ro- moving very, very fast and just hurls itself at Alistair and you just hear a little voice say,
0: Papa! Oh, oh hey. whoa, hey there!
1: And like right into your stomach.
0: Oh! <coughs> yep, that's,
1: that's, uh, that's not healed yet. Hey, you doing all right? Yeah, you see a little quite grubby face <laughs> looking up at you. Alistair like... Pats the
0: hair away from the face. He's like, "Hey, everything okay?" Yeah, yeah. Mum is inside. Okay, all right. We'll go in. We'll go and see her.
1: Uh, she is, how old would you say? Oh, maybe eight.
0: I think we said she was
1: six or yeah. seven. Okay, younger. Um, all right. I think, I think she was six. Six. I don't have my <laughs> my notebook. So her head comes up to probably about just below your ribs, um, and she is like wrapped her arms right around your waist and squeezing you very tight and um, she is sort of looking at Ernest out of the corner of her eye very suspiciously.
2: Ernest is also squinting at her.
0: (laughs) Hey, uh, have they put dinner on yet? Do you know what we're having for dinner yet? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Who's he? Oh, this is, uh, this is a friend of mine. He's just arrived. She looks up at you. Papa, people... Don't arrive. <laughs> he looks at her very pointedly in the eyes. and He's like, "Yeah, that's what I thought too. I don't, haven't quite figured it out yet." But uh, you remember? You remember? I used to tell you about my friend that I used to hang out with when I was young.
1: No. This is... <laughs> All right. She she kind of turns to Ernest and like puts out her hand very formally for a handshake. Ernest, this is Sky. Hmm. You like extends out her hand as well. She shakes your hand very firmly. Like there's a lot of grip And there's like There's something uh, Defiant And <laughs> Almost challenging In like the The direct stare icon. He's, he's making eye contact back Hello young lady Scardy Stern Hmm
0: Alright come on Let's get you inside uh, No she's gonna roll first
2: Oh totally I'm uh, not I'm expecting just make a perception her to come inside check. I just
1: <laughs> hmm? Make a perception check D12? Yep. Do I have a D12? Uh, You should. Does he not have a D12?
2: Is it in that pile there, Noddy? And there are, you know, 12. Where's my D12? (laughs) Just grab one. Uh, And then perception? Yes. You roll a one. 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 I, I, I have additions to that, but I have no idea what they are.
1: Okay. Uh, you do not notice, and we'll talk about what it is at a later point, but she uh, takes something from your pocket while she is shaking <laughs> your hand. She's shaking your hand, and as uh, um, Alistair kind of, like, claps you on the back and begins to direct you, she kind of brushes past you, uh, heading in the opposite direction, and she picks your pocket.
0: All right? Wow. Right, you are. She's. She, or oh, she's holding Alistair's hand and like pulling him
1: inside the house. Yeah, she kind of. She oh, kind of I'm pushes coming. between the two of you and then out behind you, and then she's uh, leading Alistair by the hand, and um, she's leading you towards the door, which is wide open. Uh, you can see that there's light coming from inside, and a bustle of noise and uh, voices. Uh, you can see what was once Mayor Stearns, uh Prized might be a, a generous word. Meticulously maintained by other people, front garden uh, that had like small topiary bushes and like uh, roses and things has been completely ripped out to make way for a vegetable garden, um, mostly of like kale and leafy greens and things that grow well in this uh, this particular environment. Hmm. Uh, you, yeah, you
0: see a couple of people like you know picking. Kale and spinach and things, obviously. I suppose for dinner. Um, and they, um, the sky leads Ernest and Alistair through the front door, and you see, you know, the big front door. It's wide open. As they walk in, there's there's um, candles and um, like torches and things on the
1: inside. There's a fire um, going. There is actually yeah. the because the Mayor Stern the stern residence is one of the old buildings. There is a proper fireplace there that is lit, and there's a couple of candles. And there's
0: also um, the kitchen has, like, a wood-fired stove and there's people bustling around making it. Um, and so Alistair leads you up, so in, into the house and then up the staircase and then turn left at the landing and into what you assume was probably Mayor Stern's bedroom um, and opens the door and walks in and you see a very cluttered but, like, well-organised uh, little, little room. Um, and there's there's books, there's papers uh, all over a desk. There's a desk, like, that's been shoved over into one corner. There's a bed in another corner. Um, there's, like, um, chests of drawers and, like, things all in this room. And you assume that this is where Alistair lives now, just in this one room. Um, and you realise that, okay, so the house has been pretty much entirely given over to the community except,
1: like, one there's l- room. There's a lot of... Communal living within these uh renovated houses where there might be you know a fa- there might be three families in the one building mm-hmm. uh, where they maybe have one or two rooms privately each uh and this room definitely seems like it is the nerve center of all the planning that goes on here. You can see that there are maps both old and hand drawn new ones of both um the archipelago, the island of Port Staples, and then even ones of um,
2: Ravenholm itself. Yeah, maybe we'll say that this is more like a sitting room, lounge room type thing. Well, I was it's imagining a it was a quite a big rooms. So yeah. we'd have like that kind of main area before like the bed and stuff. That like that big area we could probably have a table and yeah. stuff like that. I was imagining quite big. It's like the, like the biggest room in the house yeah. type of thing. And then there's like another room that you assume leads to a second bedroom,
0: which is probably Sky's room like, off over to one side. Yep. Um, and she kind of lets go of Alistair's hand and, like, runs through that door and closes it. I was like, up. Oh. And she's gone. And she's gone. Um, and Alistair walks over and sitting on the... On the there's, like, a, an old lounge at one side with a bunch of stuff piled up. Um, but sitting on one end of it is Puck.
1: Yes. Puck uh, has stripped off the, the heavy uh, dark blue cloak that she was wearing... Uh, and she's in kind of like a tank top type of thing, and she's dabbing aloe vera, uh, like literally the actual piece of yep. aloe vera, onto this uh, smattering of burns that are all up her right arm uh, and across her, the kind of the front of her shoulder and um, sort of the side of her neck. Alistair, once Skye has let go of his hand and has run off, he,
0: you know, sees a park and sort of runs over to her and kneels down in front of her and takes it and he's
1: like here you go let me do that no, no it's okay it's it's okay uh, this is my job remember yeah well we really need to get we need to get that wall sorted f- it's okay it's good it's all right uh, well yes
0: yes we do but for now bernie's taking care of it and it'll be patched up in a couple mm. hours it'll be okay
1: yeah uh, and as you can see that uh puck looks very very tired she has it's one of those things where what were probably sort of you know dark circles under her eyes just seem to have become almost like a permanent fixture that's now just part of how her face looks yep Uh, a level of sleep deprivation and stress you know if you weren't so good he's like
0: trying to like hold the thing with one hand and, like, apply this and, like, wrap. he's mm. probably wrapping a bandage on it at this point. He's like, you know, if you weren't so good at defending yourself, you could just stay
1: here where it's safe. I wouldn't have to worry about you. Well, look, for right now, I think um until, well, until we can get something a little more permanent sorted, there should probably be one of us here all the time because those attacks are getting more frequent.
0: Yeah, I'm a little worried, and uh, I haven't seen those things before. That's something new.
1: That was something new, right? No, you had seen them before, oh, but that's you'd right, never yeah. directly interacted with these, that's but you had seen them... You'd never seen them in the clump. In the That's right. Not like not in those numbers, and you'd only yeah. ever seen them in kind of the deepest areas, areas of the attacked. woods at the base of the mountain. Yeah. What do we call them? You don't have a name for them. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, and... Uh, We've never seen them nearly this close before, so that's a bit of a worry. Um, Yeah. Anyway, we should we should probably discuss some things.
2: While getting the wool patched, leaning over your shoulder, he's like, "So you pinch it there, and then you twist it around here." And if you have just the bandage with the aloe, it soaks up the aloe. So what do you need, and he's going to heal through that, like telling you what to do, is going to heal puck for nine health. Okay, cool. That would bring yeah, it like, back up to just about full. Yeah, it's like you can't... You can, the bandage will soak up the aloe otherwise. You need the you need the, the gauze and then the bandage. Yes, yes, I have done the... And pinch there. Actually, and then... <laughs> that's, oh, that's, um,
0: that's probably a good... Hmm. It's
2: actually quite neat. It's actually quite good. <laughs> he's already got like a bobby pin in his mouth and he's pulled it out and like, yeah. c- like connects it so it's like this perfect <laughs> bandage. I, I feel like the first like couple of minutes you would try and
0: he would just push your arm away constantly and then he finally let you take over and he's like oh that's actually that's
2: quite good yeah uh puck gives you a tired smile Ernest,
1: much appreciated
2: he nods and then looks over towards the other door and then looks back to you guys looks back to the door looks back to you guys. she'll be back in a minute probably Papa? Yes? Looks to the door. Looks back. Yours? Yes? My God. Yes! I never thought I'd see the day. I thought you were gay. (laughs) 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 What? Those skinny jeans. Doc Martens.
0: Mmm. <laughs> he does like the- I do the hand. Exactly the what mm. Chester just did, hand on the hip, like, mmm. <laughs> like, he <laughs> kind of looks at you, and this is like this little hint of a smile on his face, and he's like- So the name? Ernest I heard, Marsh. I heard Sky? You are just as annoying as you've always <laughs> been. Yeah. It's, it's, well, Sky, her name's Scadia. Scadia Stern. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's lovely. Anyway,
2: sit down. We have things oh, to talk on, about. Now, hold on, he's going to give you like a, a pat on the back. It's just like I'm, I'm proud of you. It's good. <laughs> I did all the work. I'm proud of you, also. It's just I yeah I I just never look, thought. This he's is like a- looking at I just never I never thought. Anyway,
1: yeah, <laughs> I'll sit down. <laughs> yeah, like it's just, it's like saying we are pregnant. No, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, no, it's she she did most of it.
0: Yeah, look. um... <sighs> Sorry, it's there's whoa, so many things. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, Ernest, meet my wife, meet my child, she's God. Cool, we got that out of the way. Listen, we need. <sighs> okay, so,
2: yeah, what did you have a best man? Was it going to be me? Well, yeah, it would have been. Was it Bernie? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, it was Bernie. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Well, well, it was gonna be Marv, was it? Like Marv. <laughs> He's good. my uncle. That's true. That'd be a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, it was Bernie. He he did fine. And your dad cried a lot.
1: I mean like a lot Aww. I i don't think I've ever seen him Display emotions before It, it was, was really it weird It was confronting It was more like a breakdown Like I feel like there was some stuff <laughs> yeah, That I couldn't... wasn't about you getting married That no. was going on Anyway it was nice Yeah that's the thing yeah.
2: I realised you weren't your father When I first saw you Because your dad never learnt my name that's how I could tell that it was you. Yeah, that's true. Actually Your if dad you, still doesn't know my name. If you had been best man, maybe maybe he would have Nah nah nah. Well, it would have been a good shot. Maybe. Maybe. I feel like it's a point of pride for him to just not remember at this point. Whoever that kid is. Ah. He also hasn't seen you in fifteen years. He probably doesn't know. When I was living you. here he didn't know me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true.
2: Anyway, he's gonna he's gonna sit down.
1: Well, unless I've missed something, I feel like there is still uh, a little point to be resolved. Puck is sort of reclining into the lounge, which is like an old leather Chesterfield. Elster mm-hmm. um, like, walks over and pours like a glass of water for her and Ernest. So, time has not been moving the same for you as it has been for us. <sighs> yeah, apparently not. That's not... Look, it it could have been worse. I mean, hey, uh, how long did you say it had been, Ernest? Two years. I mean, two years? Heath and and Emily and Warwick, they should all still be fighting fit, and that means that's some serious reinforcements. And they've been trying to get to you. Puck. Mm. She nods her head. That's nice Nice to hear. Um, but you may have convinced Alistair, but I still want to see some proof that you're who you say you are. Alistair reaches into his we pocket. We haven't survived 15 years in total isolation on a demon-infested island by just trusting whoever we see. Ernest, and I'm sure you can appreciate that we have packed okay. reason... Alistair reaches into his pocket and pulls out the ring.
0: He grabs her arm and, like, gives... Opens her hand and puts the ring in
1: her hand. He had this. She looks at the ring for a long moment and then turns it over in her fingers. Well, I'll be damned. Yeah.
0: But... There's something else
1: you should know. um he's dying, isn't he? Yeah. The um wouldn't have wouldn't have given you this otherwise. He wouldn't have
2: met with me if he wasn't. I Very. Mean, he would have avoided fail. you like the plague. No. It was only because he also had the, the word of Ben Mears as well. The Fae don't um
0: They don't make deals lightly. I don't think.
2: Yeah. I think the reason I think the reason why he gave it to me is he's scared. I spent a few weeks there, and every hour or so he'd have a different panic attack because he was scared that they were going to take his daughter instead of him. Is she okay? Yeah, she's fine. Okay, that's something. Warwick basically just eats sleeps, and looks after her, keeping an eye on her so the positive is
0: if it had been fifteen years, yeah you know yeah, but listen, you he needs
2: he needs our blessing he needs yours. And he looks at Puck. Yeah. He says he already has it from his first daughter. (laughs) So. But as I said to Alistair, my concern is if in the course of two years in the mainland, 15 years pass here, I'm not sure how long we can wait. I I don't Um, know how it works, but
0: look. And he, like, gently grabs her face to, like, turn her to look at him. And he's like, look, if he got in, maybe there's a gap maybe there's maybe we could get a message to him maybe we can maybe we could leave i mean i don't i don't know if we should leave but even if we can get a message to him i mean we thought after 15 years but
2: is it the monsters in the water that mean you can't leave no
0: well that that makes it harder no um
1: it's the fog yeah we tried the fog's supposed to keep us here or keep everything that is here here but that apparently means just about every godforsaken spawn of hell creature that no one's ever heard of and plenty that we have is here with us In the beginning
0: it was thin and we could get We could get boats in and out, we got supplies, we stockpiled as much as we could until the boats stopped. And I assume we didn't know of any time dilation then, so I assume that
1: started after the last boats. We thought it was mother initially, we thought it was some kind of preventative measure trying to literally just weaken us until she arrived in force, but
2: she she never came. Tia seems to think that she's... Well, they don't tell me much. They don't like me. But they believe she's turned most of her focus on other layers. She hasn't been... Hasn't had that much of a force here.
1: If she's turned other... Well, then that must mean that she thinks... Yeah. That we're not worth her time. She thinks she's won.
2: I suppose she hasn't heard from us in a while. Urs uh, is gonna pull a, a piece of parchment from his pocket and he's gonna start unfolding it. As he unfolds it, it gets bigger and bigger until it's like two meters from side to side and he lays it down. So I assume you've tested then to know that you can't leave? Yeah, no, we,
0: we tried to send, I tried to send some people out and um, we sent three boats and the only one that came back the uh, the bodies looked like they'd been they, they were only gone for a week but they were just bones they look like they'd been in that boat for decades mm. after that we
1: stopped trying and there's the things in the water so many different kinds. We can't actually keep a good track of what it is or they are. There's the ships. It shouldn't be there. They just come and go randomly. Anything. Everything. Military cruisers. Fishing boats. Sail ships.
0: Elster walks over to a, um, a chest of drawers and opens it and rummages through. Um, and he pulls out a... looks like a gun, you're not quite sure, as you're unrolling the parchment. Um, and he hands it to you. And it is a... Like an old, like, flintlock pistol. Looks like, you know, 1700s flintlock gun. But it looks brand new. Like, hmm. brand new, still been used. It's like...
2: I don't know how they get here, but... It's almost like not just time is travelling slowly here, but it's all it's over all the place. travelling here. This washed up on a, on a piece of wreckage from a ship that passed by. Hmm. Ernst finishes unfolding the full piece of paper and it stretches a great deal and, and he places it on the ground. What's this? This was drawn for me by Dylan. The one who lived in your gun. Oh. And what you see is a hand sketched with pencil. What looks like a tornado in a desert. And you can see little figures in like moving in and around the, the tornado as it's centered around this one point. And he points at this is the exact spot where we are, but in the desert.
0: Alistair points to the storm. Was that always there?
2: No. That, I believe, is the effect of the fog, but on that layer. Okay. Dylan and okay. the people who he are living with have been studying it and moving in and around it for some time. And what about
0: these? Alistair points to what looks like these big stone pillars in the drawing
2: all around the tornado. What are they? They believe... It points to the law figures. These are things called parasites. They live in the desert. I've met them a few times. Okay. They are the cursed creatures of that land. It used to be a, an ocean type of thing. But yeah. they have a, a mixed relationship with the shepherds what we call the you know, carrion yeah yeah and he points at the one closest see how many there these are statues either in honour of or maybe in fear of the shepherds I don't know if it was made by them or for them but it has something to do with the the order that they are The the people that they are. Okay, hold on. on. Well, you've both met Carrion.
1: Yeah? I haven't met Carrion. There are seven of those pillars. At least, it's seven on the drawing, right? Yeah.
2: Arguably, one for each layer. Carrion is the shepherd of the desert.
1: No, no, but what we know. Well, we know that there's our lair, yeah. right? We know that there's the desert. Yeah. The dream. The dreaming. The fey. The fey, I suppose that's four. I suppose that's full.
2: What, so there's, there's three more that we don't know about? And then... At and, least? And then this points to, like, the middle of the, the storm. It's, it's so dark and dense in there. There could be another one in there. A so, higher one... A stronger one. But the leader type of thing. I know what one of them is. He points to... Uh... Carrion. He says, Obviously that's Carrion. You can tell by... Yeah. The way he looks. But then there's that one. And he points to the one next to it. I believe... Because... Parasites hate that one the most. That that's... The Harbinger. Or at least that's the name they give him. I don't know what his actual name is. But... He is the. It's complicated, but he is. He is vengeance incarnate. He is. war. So, what are these pillars doing in the middle of the desert? Oh, they're here too. In the desert? No, they're here. I passed Carrion's one when I came in. That's why I was able to get in, I think, is because he was there to guide me through. So, you. Oh. Well, we thought. We thought the fog
1: was mother. Yeah, we thought she was trapping us. But here. if it's the pillars, you think it's... I think it's the shepherds. So Karrion's known that we're trapped here. I'd say With so. no help and, and no supplies in... <sighs>
0: what did he say? Did he say that he's coming back? Um... Is he going to help us? Is he going to
2: the way he kind of described it was like this was the last time i was ever going to see him and he apologized to me saying that the place i was going was a hard and dangerous place <laughs> he's not wrong and only other thing he told me which is that he couldn't guide me anymore okay well maybe and that there would be another one for me what yeah a guide think a different one of these, I assume. I hope he doesn't mean puck. No, I think he means... What? Shepherd. It's a joke I'm trying to... Oh, it's one of those jokes. Yeah. The ones mm -hmm. that no one gets. The ones that you don't think is funny, yeah. But there is one quick thing, which is the reason why I came here. That's a good question. That was the other thing I was going to ask you. So, I came here because I've been having... Nightmares. You've always been having nightmares. Actually, no. I had really. I have pretty good sleep most of the time. But wow, that must be nice. I've been having nightmares, and I've been learning more about these shepherds and the people who have undergone their wrath. And here's the picture I'm getting. Mother is doing some bad stuff, hurting a lot of people. But that's nothing about what's coming. And he points to the one next to Carrion statue. He's coming for her. And the last time he did that, and he points at the parasites. A whole layer was destroyed. Wait, so he fought Mother before? No, he, he points was at the parasites. Mother in the no. desert? There was a race of people that did what Mother did. They believed they were gods. They believed that oh. they could rise above their rank. And he decimated all of them and everyone who aligned with them. And this is what he did. And he points to the desert. He drained their ocean. And now his focus is on Mother. Right. And I don't know what that devastation is going to look like. So been trying to make allies to try and maybe either deal with Mother ourselves first before he can get there, or maybe to strike a deal with him so that our layer isn't caught up in this or something, but I've been searching for help. Okay. Alright. So,
0: what we know, there are these monuments across at least two layers. At least. We don't know about the others. At least two layers. So mother is bleeding these layers together and the, the 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 shepherd's job is to keep each layer to itself right mm-hmm. okay so so maybe if because we know the archipelago is a thin point mm-hmm. which would make sense if this is where the storm is and this is this is why the mist is here. Okay, so... So, maybe we can't leave because the shepherds are keeping us locked down because we're the epicentre of this, this bleeding between the layers, right? Maybe? So, if we can shut that off somehow, maybe we can leave, and then we can deal with Mother. I think I know where the
1: bleeding's happening. Wait a minute. What if they're not trying to keep us locked in? What do you mean? What if they're keeping her locked out? Right. What if, because if we're the, just caught in the failsafe? If we're the centre... And sh- no one can get in without the shepherds. They let out Ernest in to get to us. But that means that Mother can't get in. So right, so no wonder Carrion can't get in.
2: Well, he could let Ernest in, but I'm d- I... with how powerful they are, I don't assume they couldn't get in. But they—they
0: would probably—they probably, they probably maybe just the only ones that can get in. And maybe if they get in, that weakens
2: the... and yeah. that might let Mother in. Or it could be a thing, and he points to kind of the circle of the statues. Maybe it's a thing that they can't be in alone. Maybe they all have to be a thing. Maybe it's a council thing of like. Maybe. We don't you know, know how this works. Know. Great. But I think I know where the bleeding's happening. This is things I talked to Dylan about. You remember that laptop we found? Ilios, yeah. I believe, and I talked to uh, Warwick about this, there was a company called Ilios. It was a cousin to Tear decades and decades ago fell apart, it went bankrupt and all that. It had a location here.
0: And I believe they were tampering with the layers. How much does Alistair know? Because I remember we said that that was something he'd be researching a lot about. So he would have found out about Ilios, right?
1: I think you're aware that there was a location, but the location's gone. Like it yeah. was... Yeah. yeah,
0: Yeah, I know. I, I, When you went missing, I did a hell of a lot of looking into that and... Um, yeah, they, they used to, but it's gone. It's not here
2: anymore. It got destroyed. It was Something went wrong. Well, whatever tunnels they dug, whatever depths they climbed, those would still be there. I, I don't know. And I've seen the yeah. tear with my own eyes, and I believe it's there. But, and he kind of starts folding back up. First things first, we need to get a signal out to Heath. Yeah. Yep. I, I, this can come later. and we need, it back in his pocket. And
1: I fully, trust me, I fully understand. We need to get a message to Heath, but we are, we're very vulnerable here. We need to get our defences properly back up and running. And for that, we need Marv. And Marv is not here because Marv.
2: Uh, But that's probably... Wait, Marv's not here. No. Who else is missing? (laughs) I've seen Bernie. Who else is here?
1: Well, everyone you'd expect, I guess. Sherman's... Well, that's complicated, but Sherman's not here. Randy kind of comes and goes. (laughs) That's just Randy. He's Um, He's been gone for a couple months now. Gina's been gone for a long time. Gina's gone. Well, we're not the only pocket, there are other little groups. We tried to get everyone We're the only together. one on this island though. Yeah, we're the only one here. This well, is kind of the worst spot, so we we think the Sherman and his clan um, they seem to move around. They don't believe in staying behind walls. His clan. Well, the Watchmen, that's what they call themselves. Mm. Yeah. Oh. But they the they don't have children to look after
2: so they can do that but is, we is gina with the watchman we don't know we don't know i i assume i doubt gina and sherman would be together no. well, so.
1: well beyond that um marv is, was going to get materials to he has a plan um a method of of Setting up our defense system so that it made it much harder for anything to get in, and that way we were He's safer. He's been working on it for years, and he said that he, he, said he was nearly ready. something else, and he went to go get it. He took an escort, and that was nearly two weeks ago, but unfortunately, Marv is very, very unreliable. He's nearly and, as bad as Randy,
0: and that's saying something.
1: Yeah, and then Herb... Um, Herb's gone. Well... We don't know that he's dead. He refused to come join us. For a while, he was fine where he was, at the radio station. But then when the radio station went down, we assumed that he was gone and we haven't been able to get in there. Radio station. We've visited. We've made some expeditions, but... It's one of the more dangerous areas to get to. We've, for yeah, some reason. we've never made it all the way in, mm. but no response, and just yeah. he had he had flares and ways that he could try and tell us he needed well, to it help. Well, it just comes down to as
0: much as we because uh, as much as we want to look for all of the people who've gone places, we have a responsibility to the people who are still here, so we can't waste
1: resources looking for people, and all of the time it's not our job to babysit everyone. If they decide that they're going to leave the only safe location we can maintain, then that's their choice to leave. But It's we, not a prison, we can't... And there are other groups. There's... Well... What are those two boys called? Um, Quindex. There's ones. Yeah. They're off somewhere. We think they're on Silverland, or at least they were. But that was three four years ago that we last heard from them. A lot of people left the other islands when we
0: realised that Hookbar was kind of the, the centre, which I guess, if your theory is correct, Ernest, maybe that's why. Maybe if, if this
2: Ilios place is somehow the, the middle of it, then... It could mean that time travels differently as well on the different islands, if you're further away from the epicentre, closer to the walls. I don't know. Maybe, maybe these pillars are something to do with it. Maybe the, maybe the time for you dilation
0: it's is three
1: years. Maybe for them it's six months, possibly. The don't difficulty know. is that any kind of travel here is incredibly very dangerous, dangerous and difficult, and we can't take too many people away from the actual walls protecting. Once we get the, <laughs> we'll we'll get there. There's a laundry list as long as my arm of things that we need to do. And we have so little resources and so little energy. I think
0: we get everyone together. We tell them who Ernest is. We tell them what's happened. That's the most important thing. They need to know what's going on. We do that tonight. we all sit down, we have dinner, and then we do that. Then we deal with our defences for the night. We keep a watch. Then we figure out what to do in the morning. Yeah, I suppose that's pretty reasonable. Make sure everyone knows what's going on. Make sure we get through
1: the night. That's the first priority. At this point, uh, you hear a scuffling at the the main door, the one that you had come through, and it's opened. As someone goes, Yeah, Chow time. Da, 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 da. Is it? Is it? uh, Former Mayor Mallory Cern. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Dad. (laughs) And you can see Ernest; uh, he has gotten shorter and older. You would have to guess he's probably about sixty now. Right, um, and he has uh, like bowls of some kind of. He'd be uh, older, wouldn't he? Maybe sixty-five. He was like in his fifties. He was in, in his very early fifties, I think. Yeah, yeah, so like sixty-five. Um, he's about sixty-five or something, and he's got uh, bowls one in each hand and like one balanced in the 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 wrist type of thing, uh, and you can see that he's got. Quite a long beard uh, that's like got little plaits in it and things, and he's wearing like a multicolored knitted <laughs> uh, hat, <laughs> like, a, like a little skull cap beanie type of thing. Uh, and, he's like, and he's kind of like semi dancing in. It's like da, da 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 dinner time. Oh, thanks, Dad. Hey, uh, can we get another one?
0: Yeah. Is there, is there more left? Because um,
1: oh yeah, no, there's there's we have a guest well that's okay then that's fine uh he puts them down he like starts brushing your maps and things off the table It's always such a mess in here Alistair gets up and goes to the other door he's like scotty you hear a scrabbling and then like the sound of like a blanket being thrown (laughs) over something like yes (laughs) scotty dinner time just a minute (laughs) Um and then the door like s- like very sharply opens. She is every bit your daughter, puck. I'm not gonna comment on that <laughs> uh as as puck like levers herself off the lounge uh Mayor stern is like tapping his lip, his bottom lip with a finger looking at you Ernest.
2: And this is <laughs> looking back at him,
1: dad, um uh, I we- feel love. What? Marv? No. No. <laughs> I feel like I've... Dad. Surely we've Dad. met somewhere. No. Greg? No. He moves himself into your island. Dad! Did you work for me at one point? Did you play soccer with Alistair?
0: You know what? I'm just going to... Alistair sits down next to Puck. I was in a band with Alistair once. Alistair, Alistair you were in a band? next to Puck, and he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to let them figure it out. I think I played the spoons.
1: You, you need a spoon? Mm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I've got stuff to do.
0: Scotty, don't eat so fast.
1: <laughs> you look out, calm like down. Both like cheeks puff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Slow down, come on. She's like backing away towards her, her room. Come. Nothing. And she closes the door.
0: <laughs> one day, one day we're going to sit down and have dinner as a
1: family. One day. It's going to happen. Oh, it's, maybe. I didn't have to take it into her this time. Start. Yeah, well, when she eventually shows us her, like, finger quotes, project. That's never going to happen. Right. Bet she'll show you. Oh, probably, but I won't understand what it is or how it works. (sighs) You think I will? Look, it's got to come from somewhere and it's (laughs) not me. I'm not mechanically minded. Yeah. Come on, Ernest, you can sit down and have something to eat.
0: Dad, can we get another bowl? Oh yeah, sorry, that's mine. My,
2: my bad. Urs is looking at the the map of Hookbar still, and he makes his way over to it, and he like puts his one finger down on where Home is, and stretches the other finger out to where the radio tower is. He's looking at. That's the key. It is our
0: only way to get any kind of communication out. It's not like we
1: have phone reception. That's a good point. If we can get the radio tower up and working, I mean, Herb was going to try and get it back online. He's really the only one other than maybe Marv who knows how it works. No, but, but
0: we tested it and the fog is too thick.
1: But if we could, if there is a way to get a message out, that could mean reinforcements. If Carrion could get Ernest through, Carrion could get other people through. It's true. And, and if even it's if it's only it, been two years for them... Yeah, and even if it means that we can't get a message all the way out, it means that we could maybe get radio communication back onto all the islands. And Ernest. then we could actually muster forces. We could find everyone. That would be a
2: start. Everyone. Ernest turns back to you guys. Communication is the key. I wonder if I could. What do you mean? If using the tower, I could project... My mental abilities, because then people don't need uh, generators to power their own radio stations. If I could send out a signal, have you ever done that? I've before? never needed to. You and me well, were able you to. Me- you work? and me were able to mentally connect countries apart. When you were at Tia, fighting Mother. Yeah, but I, you weren't
0: holding onto a lightning rod when you did it. But maybe that's enough to get through the fog. Well, maybe, but it's. A- The problem is, Ernest, it's a long way to go, and it's a lot of resources to expend on a... It is, but you're
2: being whittled down here. You're being whittled down... This is the safest place on the island. Yes, but you're being whittled down, holding the force, like, just holding where you are. So if you wait for a good opportunity, it's never going to come. There's never going to be a week where something isn't breaking down your walls.
0: That's why we have to stay here, and we have to...
1: I... Allie. I don't like to agree with Ernest but in this instance <laughs> in this instance I think he's right we have to make a move and I don't want to keep Heath waiting any longer than we have to and there's no getting a message out without the radio station
0: Alistair, like, closes his eyes and
1: just. Look, let's be. Let's be honest here. Let's. Previously in expeditions, we didn't have Ernest. And from what I could see, whatever Ernest's abilities are, I don't really. I can't really quite remember how we would classify them in tier days, but he seems to be. Adequately prepared for repelling attackers, so that gives a good chance. And if and you, you didn't really- have
2: a mature Wendigo either, operating at its full power. That's and if we're not
1: true. carrying civilians, no one who can't fight for themselves, and it's just three of you getting to the tower, that leaves
2: me and all of our forces here. Really, we're only sparing you. We get up there, we claim it, and then we work on making a safe path back and forth. That'll be the hard part. And if it works, if we can get
1: communication back, we can find Marv, we can find Gina. You can stop losing people and start finding people. We can get Randy back. We can start reconsolidating our power. We can start bolstering. If we can get Marv back and the defences up, then we would have twice the amount of manpower to go and do other things because we didn't need true. 30 people watching a wall all day, every day. Yeah, that's true. And I guess
0: if we are waiting for a good opportunity, I suppose he's right,
1: we're not going to have one. And this is the closest thing we've we've got. And if we have learnt anything, it's that these things come in waves. Not terribly reliably waves, but... No, yeah, that's true. We've just weathered one. Now might be the best time that we can spare you because they might need to regroup or something. You, I think you might be right.
0: Uh, well, uh, I suppose it's worth a shot. And if, yeah, if it's just me and him... And maybe Edgar? Do you think you'll be okay on your own if we... She's like... (laughs) Yeah, I know, but I have to ask.
1: Yes, I will be fine. Okay. You're good. I may not be in tip-top shape, but thanks to Ernest, I am not going to take very long to recover. And we'll just make sure that we're extra vigilant and extra well-prepared, and I'll make sure that Bernie's... Got his supplies ready, and Nancy and has everyone on shift.
0: And if we if we fail, then worst comes to worst, we have one more
1: person. And then you hear uh, a hammer banging from Scotty's room. <laughs> and I think I better go and check yep. what that uh, is. I think so. Okay. Puck, uh levers herself up with a groan. Here you um, go. Let me help you. Yeah. Very stiff. Very stiff. It's all right she, It'll uh, come uh, back. She He's knocks to... on Scotty's room. It's like, I'm coming in, and that better not be a hammer.
2: <laughs> uh, and she disappears into Scotty's room. Ernest <sighs> turns back to the map and points again to the radio tower. The tower's the key.
0: I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. I, I am. I appreciate your enthusiasm, Ernest. I don't think uh, uh it's just been it's been so long since we've tried anything other than not dying. It's It's just taking me a minute to adjust to it, but it is a big thing that you're here. It don't just mean it's nice to have you here. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's great to have you, but you know what I mean. It's We've never had anything break through the fog in this entire time, and nobody with your abilities, so...
2: I think Puck's right. It's, it's worth a shot. He taps on the map. It's time to start making moves.
1: Thank you for listening to Episode 3 of Season 3 of Dark Tides. Uh, I am your host, show creator, and narrator, Aubrey Lydden. Uh, thanks, as always, to BJ Ingate. Yay! Chess Lyddon. Bonjour. <laughs> and all of you wonderful patrons who support the show. We appreciate it greatly. Um, we will see you next week. Time for the next instalment. Um, next tide. Yeah, and you can uh, check out all of our wow, social media. Wow, is that medias. a new joke? Let me finish a sentence, BJ. Sorry. Uh, you can check out all of our social medias for a bunch of different stuff. Check
0: out the vlog. Yes.
1: Check out the
2: TikTok.
1: Chester is vlogging. Don't check out the
0: TikTok. Check
2: out the vlog.
1: Chester is vlogging behind the scenes stuff uh, from our production. He's doing it right In now. Fact, I'm
2: vlogging right now.
1: And we will see you next time. Until then, bye bye. Bye bye, bye, bye.